A lot has changed in email fundraising over the last decade. And at the same time, a few things haven't changed at all. Now, today, we're going in the Wayback Machine, and we're looking back at the last 10 years from the perspective of two marketers who've been sending fundraising emails for over a decade. Let's get into it. You're listening to the Build Good Fundraising Podcast, where we give smart fundraisers like you the practical guidance to grow your revenue, grow your nonprofit, and grow your impact so you can raise more money for more donors and do more good. Now, here's your host, Mike Dirksen. Well, hello, builders of good. Thank you for tuning in to the Build Good Fundraising Podcast. Fundraising isn't easy, but it should be simple. So on this show, we take the mystery out of raising money. For many of us who grew up with the internet, email marketing seems like a fairly established medium. But compared to most other forms of marketing and fundraising, email is still a relatively new format. And it continues to change all the time. So for today's episode, I sat down with a fellow Canadian fundraising agency owner to look back at the last decade of sending emails for charities. Ben Johnson founded Frontier Marketing in 2010, when before remote work existed, he moved his family from Vancouver to Victoria, and he left his job at Union Gospel Mission behind. He's been sending email campaigns since Obama's first year in office, and he continues to advocate for good strategy and efficient fundraising as the lead strategist of Frontier Marketing. So let's just get right into it. Here's my conversation with Ben Johnson. Ben, thanks so much for, for coming on the podcast. Well, thank you, Mike. You and I, we both run fundraising agencies in Canada. And uh, every now and again, we kind of jump on Zoom and, and talk about things. And a recent conversation, we're like, hey, why don't, why don't we just hit record and, and talk about this on a podcast, which is what has changed and what hasn't in our fundraising careers. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, actually, I was talking about this the other day, um, and I wish, uh, so our client, uh, Union Gospel Mission out of Vancouver, used to be my employer, and we had used Convio at the time to send out a few emails, and it was before I had uh, decided, I added, before I added myself uh, as, a, as a recipient, so I don't have a copy of it, but then when we switched to MailChimp uh, in October 20, 2009, now I have those copies. Um, but I just, the, I still remember that, that pressure of like hitting the send button and then knowing you can't undo it. Yeah. Uh, so in preparation for this podcast, I tried finding the first fundraising email sent. I couldn't find it. Um, but, but same story, actually 2009 started using MailChimp at the organization I was working with also homeless shelter. Um, and I just remember there was these templates that MailChimp had at the time. And I remember workshopping with other people which template we were going to use for the <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah which like preset branding thing. is closest to ours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. At the time, you still had you had this little Mailchimp badge at the bottom that I think you couldn't get rid of. Later it, on, you it, could with like an yeah, upgraded yeah, yeah, plan. yeah. Put some like a couple cents in the email, and it's like, well, you know, we're saving money by using their branding. Yeah. In those early days, how big were the lists that you were emailing to? Yeah. Well, okay. Well, one, when I started off on my own, we had one client that had 400,000 and I, I haven't come close to that, but that wasn't like a level of stress I never want to see again. Uh, just thinking these many Canadians are about to receive this email series. Um, but like, you know, back in the day, like 5,000 was a great email list. 
Uh, same clients grown to like 20,000 plus, but yeah, uh, so many clients like, oh, we have a few hundred that we've collected over time. It was very common to have the hundreds instead of the thousands. Yeah. Still is today often. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, okay, maybe the reason why we're talking about it. Too. So, and, and like for those that are watching, I'm Freddie, um, the mascot for MailChimp. It used yeah. to be you'd set up a new paid account and they'd send you swag. Um, and then so we have like a little mascot at the office, like a little um, kind of four inch tall Freddie. And um, so like, you know, just kind of getting going on paid accounts and that like startup culture that MailChimp was in that the early 2000s, 2010s. And so my claim to fame, we say is like, you know, I sent my first email in Obama's first year in administration. And then what's been fascinating, you meet the occasional client who email to them was born in the year 2020. So it was it was the novel email you know marketing channel, and uh, not just COVID coming along. And uh, so this digital transformation that people said suddenly took place, where I wanted to talk was like that digital transformation has been happening for quite some time, and so it's been really interesting to see. It is something where you can start late in in my mind, and and the email just has this slow and steady growth to it. It's just fascinating. Yeah, I remember in in twenty in two thousand nine, um, s- starting with email fundraising and really starting to try to make make fundraising a thing on Facebook for the organization I was working yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. And I had inherited a Facebook account from the previous communications marketing sort of person, and they had set it up as a personal account. I, I was going to wonder that, like, like okay, like I'm this person. Because we yeah. didn't have organizational logins. Yeah, no. That's right. Yeah. And so like the first name of the personal account was like this organization had two names, right? So it was like the first name and the last name. Um, and they had something like two or 3,000 people as friends. Um, and so they would go on Facebook every day and just add new friends uh, as the yep. organization. Yep. And then a little bit later, as we were growing the email list, Facebook, I think it was called a fan page then. Yeah. Yep. Um, but they wouldn't allow you to sort of uh, later on. I think they allowed you to convert your pay, like your personal account to a fan page one time. Um, but at that point, they weren't allowing that. So we had to start a brand new Facebook page for the organization. Spam everybody on our feed, like go like this new page of ours. Um, and there was this there was this uh, flip that happened where we used to have more Facebook friends than email addresses, and then we started this fan page, and now all of a sudden email got a lot more important because we had more email addresses. Than people following the fan page because we were starting from scratch. And I went to the CEO because I was so excited about email fundraising and about social media. And I told him, listen, why are we mailing all this stuff? Like, Mm. (laughs) (laughs) uh, you can see where this is going, right? I was like, we we can just stop mailing tomorrow. Uh Uh-oh. We've got like 3,000 email addresses and like we've got a few thousand, you know, people on our fan. And, And to his credit, he said, hey, Mike, I'd love to stop mailing stuff tomorrow if you think it's going to work. And then he showed me the financials and he was like, here's how much the mail is bringing in right now. <laughs> Do you think you can duplicate that uh, using your, like, your oh. email list and your, and your Facebook account? Right? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, I think it's going to be a slow build. Yeah, let's not turn off mail yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and it took many years for you know one of my clients where yeah, it used to be like, do whatever you want, Ben. It's just the internet. Um, you know, like there's no best practices to draw from. And then I was, well, what if I like just looked at the mail and thought like, what would be the, the kind of the, the nuance that I would put on it, um, for email. And, uh, yeah. but it's like, oh, well, it's like 5% of our revenue. 
um, for this client now, it's much larger than print revenue. Um, and, and it's, it's, but yeah, like that's like a overnight success, 12 years in the, in the making kind of thing, 15 yeah. years of the person. If you include the person that kind of my, my predecessor who really started the organization going in digital. Yeah. And even the fact that, that for them, it's like, that's a bit of an anomaly that email fundraising, um, even in 2022 is a bigger revenue driver than than sort of stuff that happens outside of email. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it was interesting because in some ways I've I've seen the control of like the organizations that have been embracing email year in year out versus those that haven't. Yeah, um, and like, you know, thankfully there is the benefit of like if you've been optimizing for all these years and and slowly kind of building that fire that it that it can be bigger kind of thing. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some of the things that in the last 10 to 15 years have changed and things that have not changed. Um, because some things are, are still the same and, uh, and th- some things have changed dramatically. Um, but let's start with the, the things that have changed. Um, talk to me about the design of the email a little bit, you know, yeah. 20, 2010, 2012 versus 2022. What's, what's, um, so I remember getting my first Gmail account in fall 2005. Um, and unfortunately, having a common name, rarely do I get, you know, my name. Uh, so you probably get it a fair amount more than you go, yeah. sign on for a new service. Uh, but Ben Johnson's been taken many times over. So I became Mr. Ben Johnson at Gmail. At the time, you're like, that's, that was such a new novel service that Google had its, its own email provider. And what's, what's the shame is most email technology for deliverability was built in the 90s. Yeah. So even still, we're trying to work with if you wanted to include video or a GIF, like, whew, like not everything will allow that. And and the Microsoft products are one of the biggest things to delay our industry. That and we're sending to an audience who isn't like me, that didn't get on Gmail right away. Um, so I think one of the things to compare then was you always had to go and take a look at the oldest email client and see how the deliverability worked. And Microsoft products we're kind of famous for taking the longest time to, to allow a user to adapt. And so just to, like one of the things principally was a lot of the tech products forced you to update like, Oh, like, you know, your Google Chrome is going to update the next time you yeah. log in versus Microsoft Explorer is like, don't worry, I got you. You can, you can stay on this old product <laughs> for years. Right. And then every marketer is like, Oh, I seven was just, you know, there's all these many versions of internet Explorer or outlook. And it so happened that the CEO just happened to have the oldest one. Um, so like we're, we were in this charitable industry where it was an older, less tech adept environment and, and a very software based environment versus software as a service. Um, and, and so it was really interesting is like sending things and being trusted were a really big deal in the late two thousands. E-commerce was still, oh, I don't know about putting my credit card online. Yeah. Um, so establishing organizational trust was really important. Um, and that's those who embraced integrated marketing first tended to do well. Right. And, you know, and we've all seen the kind of other, other agency stuff where it's just like, here's, here's their, their brand subsuming the, the actual charity's brand and just kind of shoehorning them into it. Yeah. And then um, those same organizations would be like, Mike, Ben, do whatever you want in email. 
And we'd end up making things look differently to the detriment of the trust. So I think a big thing in early days email marketing was making sure things appeared similar to you'd see it in other environments um, to establish that organizational trust. Um, and that was a time before Telus and Bell and Rogers and Aritzia and like every other e like every other commerce so sent you emails. Um, so there was no idea of like what's a good cadence for for communication right. or like that. So the visual at the very least was I would want to make it look designed nice um, and on par with what you'd see elsewhere. Yep. Uh, to just like, oh, is this phishing? Where am I getting this from? It's like, no, 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 this is us. Um, mm -hmm. And so if you clicked on the website, it should be matching um, and not set in. And so like that was so important back then is to establish the the realness yeah. of the email. Yeah, which is funny because nowadays the realness of the email is often a lack of branding. Exactly. So in the like context a, of why it's yeah. different. So you know, mm. I wouldn't want an organization, oh, from now on, we're going to just go simple emails. Yeah. Is how do you, now that everyone's sending emails, you don't want to be like, tell us like together we can end, you know, like, you know, they if you've ever listened yeah. to their ads on Spotify or elsewhere, they're getting into that channel. So now you can establish personal trust instead of organizational trust. It's like, hey, Mike, you know, I, I just wanted to give you this update. And you've got some incredible uh, messaging around how to be that authentic communicator through email. Yeah. And then there was a point where charities were really, really, to establish the organizational trust and brand, were getting really concerned about, like, emails almost start to look like brochures, right? Like, really, yeah, yeah. really just kind of layer like, after layer of, yeah, yeah, preset texts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Email newsletters became a big thing, although it turns out that most donors never read any of them or clicked through. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, um, this is from like, like no one in our world wants to hear that just because of how much time go into them. Yeah. You know, that's on, on every part, both the agencies and both the, 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 the charity side. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so that's one of the things that has changed, right? The design of it has changed more and more well you know this we may have differing viewpoints here but almost everything we do nowadays is plain text and that might change um but in 2022 a lot of the stuff we do is plain text would you say that the, that the that people's trust in organizational emails has gone up or down hmm that's that's a good question and like one of the things that's changed is um the world of analytics mm -hmm. uh is is worse like you wouldn't expect to go into the future and then find out that like open rates are garbage, right? Because because of changes in the industry with iOS saying like this move against Facebook to be more trustworthy and then yeah. to be like you know what we're just gonna not track uh, the privacy of a huge base of our our, our people, um, so we we don't know open rates the way we did before. You know what I mean? Which as a as somebody who who deals a lot in direct mail. I mean, I never knew the open rate you of any of the anyways. anyways. Yeah. yeah, and like I preach like averages and, and yeah. response rates versus, so use the same same sort of real metrics. Yeah, it's funny as I think we've gotten better. The, the thing about email that's always been fascinating is if you were in the street corner and said, hey, would you like to sign up for direct mail? You wouldn't get any yeses. But if it's like, hey, would you like to get email updates? Sure. Like, you know, not everyone. Um, and we've gotten better. I, I think initially... Uh, it wasn't like it was just sort of the um, we assume it was just news 
I think that's where organizational trust was higher. So now it's become yeah. more sophisticated. It's like, nah, actually, I'm not going to give you my address, email just because now there can be much more to it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the value prop for getting an email address has to be drastically better than it used to be even three years ago. Um, yep. And part of that was at the beginning of COVID, I was getting emails from every hotel I've ever been to, um, <laughs> every product I've ever purchased, um, yeah. like a sock company was writing me emails about, you're part of our community and we care for your well-being and yeah, safety. Yeah, and you're yeah, like, yeah. Uh, really? Yeah. Um, so maybe some of that has, yeah, has changed a little bit where like, in order to get somebody's email address, that's almost more valuable than our home address at this point. Yeah, yeah. One thing that's it's interesting is like, you and I have t- talked before, is like landing pages are kind of the the hidden secret of good email uh, fundraising program, and that's I think where it's taken like our team a while to adapt to. Is like we 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 built a kind of online checkout, but uh, didn't realize how important that that like where are we sending people? Um, and I think that's where the industry's improved quite a bit. Of like one like oh we can't we, don't, we shouldn't just send them to the homepage. I was like oh, no no you can lead them all the way to like the gift is pre selected. Um, they have that button in the emails and it's just eliminate even more steps. Um, and I sure hope the email landing page is like complementary to what they were just seeing. Um, and and for email sign up to be like, instead of all ads to be like, please give this Christmas to be like, here's why you should sign up for email. And then we'll follow with the kind of the reason to give. Well, it's time now for the five-minute fundraising fix where we give you one easy, short, impactful fundraising fix you can implement in your fundraising today. Joining me as always is Becky Longhurst, the fundraising strategist here at Build Good. Becky, hello. Hello, Mike. Today's five-minute fundraising fix builds on the one you were here last time to talk about. It so definitely does. Last time, you said we should have a specific landing page for each appeal. Yes, I did. But there's a lot more work to do, isn't there? There's a lot more work to do, and I'm going to tell you all about it right now. All right. So what is today's fix? So today's fix is about your landing page still, but now we're going to be continuing on from our topic of trying not to confuse the donor by eliminating all distractions on your specific landing page for an appeal. All right. So we, we got it. We, we should not confuse our donors. We want to keep things aligned and continuous. They've clicked on an ad. They've clicked on a link in an email. They've gotten a letter in the mail and they went to a specific URL. They're landing on this specific campaign landing page, the campaign donation page. But what distractions should we remove from here? What do you mean by that? Yeah, it's a good question because usually we don't think about what I'm about to say as a distraction. It's just a normal part of our website, right? But I've seen so many landing pages that give donors way too many options. And that's because of one simple thing, the top navigation bar. Now, this is something we all have on our websites, right? It's how we get around. It's how we figure out what we want to do. But what it also does is give donors the opportunity to get distracted by checking out your programs and services. Ooh, maybe there's something else I should be donating to or checking out your financials. Ooh, maybe I should go in and take another look before I give my donation. And all of this stuff takes away from the one purpose that your donor has come to your page for. 
And that's to give. The donor didn't come there initially to check out your other programs or your financials. So there's no need to distract them with those options. So what that means is that if at all possible, take out the top navigational bar on your landing page. The donor is already there and you want to keep them there. That's a good point because when donors land on the campaign landing page, it's because they were reacting to a call to action to give. They were moved by a story. They liked an offer. They were intrigued by your appeal. So they went there to give. It's not like they're coming to our web website like they sometimes do, which is to to browse around, exactly. check us out look exactly. for different things. They are there to make a gift. And yeah. so it is in our best interest and in their best interest for us to guide them toward completing that transaction, right? Totally. And we talked about drop-down menus last time too. If you have both a drop-down menu and a top navigational bar, donors might go into the drop-down, try to find the program they're looking for, see right. another one, go to your programs to try to find what that program's all about. It's just sort of this never-ending cycle that is going to take them away from what they were there to do in the first place. Right. Yeah. All right. What about other elements on the page, like, like adding a video, for example? Yeah, that's a really great question, Mike. Generally speaking, and and we're talking broad terms here, sometimes it works, but broad terms, it's not a great idea. All right. How how come? Because it would seem like a good idea to add a video on a landing page. Exactly. It would. But with your landing page copy, what you're really doing is leading your donor down the landing page, down towards making that gift. That's what the copy is there for. All of those words serve a purpose. And if you put a video in the middle there, you're actually stopping them halfway through. It's like you're creating a roadblock. Now they're distracted. Now they're going to watch this three to five minute video. And maybe that video does increase their giving. Maybe that video makes them believe more in what they're about to do, but maybe it distracts them. And maybe they then forget about what they were there to do, or maybe it, it does the opposite. And so you're just introducing a lot of potential friction if you add in something like a video. Yeah, especially if it's an embedded YouTube video and, yep. and you get to the end and there's like YouTube automatically will suggest like six other videos exactly. to watch. Exactly. Now yeah. you're just on this totally different train and it's again, distracting the donor from what they came there to do. I mean, if your video is so good, you know, it's going to make people cry. Then like, right. you know, if it's just this amazing, Oscar worthy video. But most of the time we're talking about something that doesn't really add that much. So it can become a distraction that just slows down your donor, steals their attention. And not only that, steals their intent to give. So you just want to lead them down to the bottom, have them make their gift and call it a day. All right. So unless you've got a video of like sad puppies and there's like an indie song playing in the background that swells at just the right, right time, <laughs> then generally speaking, not a great idea to, yeah. to include video. Adding, all, removing all distractions like the top navigation bar. So when donors land on the page, they can do one action, which yeah. is to complete the gift. Yeah, the thing we want them to do. The thing that we want them to do, the thing that they want to do when they land on that page. So we're just taking them by the hand. We're gently leading them Mm -hmm. down this path to doing the one thing that they came there to do and helping them be successful. Great tip, Becky. Thank you. If you are trying to create fundraising copy that moves donors to action, we've got a free resource for you. It's called the 5-Minute Fundraising Fix. It's three short videos that you can watch. It's full of 
helpful tips like these to change your messaging, change your copy. Changing the words you use is one of the easiest things you can do to improve your fundraising results. And changing the words you use is free. It costs you nothing. Neither does a free resource at 5minutefundraisingfix.com. That's the number five, or you can spell it out, 5minutefundraisingfix.com. Now back to the podcast. So that's one of the things that for sure has changed. I think the understanding of the importance of landing pages what maybe hasn't changed as much is the uh, the actual adoption of not, of organizations building landing pages for yes. Gmail, um, yeah. where it's so easy to do. Like it's no longer a tech barrier, or it it really shouldn't be. Where ten years ago, even if we knew intuitively that landing pages made sense, we all would have had to hire a developer to build like landing pages for yep. different yep. campaigns, and it was at that time very cost prohibitive um, to do that. That's a that's a good point. Um, the use of landing pages has changed. A lot of the tech around landing pages has changed. It's become easier and easier. Um, how about emojis? You know, it's like um, that's the danger of of digital. Is there's so many quick hits on data. Yeah, and um, I would say the point should always be realizing that you're you're building a sandcastle in the sand. Uh, it's in the name, but uh, and go. Oh, if we say the a good rule is to always do this and I, I say oh, like yeah. it's always or never is rarely true and and okay for now it is is part of the zeitgeist of people is to use more emojis for instance and if someone accidentally writes that down into a process book that that could be an issue because in two right. years you'd be like man it's where is my effectiveness gone is that you realize you, you took a trend and made it a rule yeah. um, and so I remember a few years ago when we were talking about the kind of the, the re-rise of plain text and and emojis and it's like okay this is happening i i wouldn't say it's should be part of a process law kind of thing um but the thing is um i would say it like if it seems like an email i send and it might include an emoji personality wise great um that might not stick out now though like that's something like it was 2018 when we were talking to our clients about emojis and yeah. subject lines. One of the things that I think has changed is, or at least the ability, is just greater sophistication around automations and workflows and email journeys and and actually designing something um, that we think might make sense for the person on the other end. Um, and then for that person to be able to opt out of that campaign specifically without having to opt out of all emails going forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before, like I was building a little ship in, in a bottle. So like there's just, there's, the list is so small and the upside is so small and any link can go wrong. So you still have to do an incredible job of it. Um, and then now actually for programs raising, like we our largest e client for emails, well over a million dollars just raised through email. All of a sudden you're like, oh, well now the ROI of our time of, of doing better segmentation is there. Uh, but then also just that greater understanding that a donor's journey can be different than the annual calendar. Um, so my, that my newness or my uh, whether I'm a monthly donor or the characteristics of me as a donor, you could you could send me content that's relevant to me that might not be like the because it's summer, because it's Thanksgiving, because it's like separate from from that. Um, and I, I'd say there's another one for us, which you've done, like the high value donor type communication could be just totally different than that mass communication. Yeah. 
one of the things I think that has changed, and it's not that it wasn't possible 10 years ago, I think it's just maybe a mindset thing, is like like two or three sentence emails. Where I know that email was never like really long, but we're now sending out emails for clients that are sometimes one or two sentences. Wow. And they're literally just a little stewardship piece or a little end of the week sort of pick me up. Or in case like your neck of the woods, you, you had a you had a devastating flood six months-ish ago. Yeah, um, yeah. And so one of our organizations, one of our clients, within within an hour of the mayor of one of the nearby towns announcing that it was um, evacuation orders, an email went out to all donors in BC. And it was just like, the subject line was just like, you okay, question mark. And then it was just like, hey, dear Joan, just saw this. Are you okay? Praying for you. That's it. Two, three sentence email. Um, massive reply rate. <laughs> just like like donors actually just yeah. replying. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the CEO being able to like pick that up and start actually having like these one-on-one emails. It's good with- that they could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a good synergy between, although I hate that word. I can't believe I just used it. But uh, where it's needed is between the organization that's sending the marketing material and the, the internal team. Yeah, it's like that. That email is only great in that like there's that CEO ready to receive the, the people who want the relationship that it, it opened right. up. Yeah, um, and then the greatness of that that, that plain text email is your ability to get it up quick. If you're like, well, now we need a, a, a an appropriate photo, now let's go talk <laughs> to the team, and you're like, well, what kind of appropriate photo would there be? Yeah, <laughs> and then so it just like and like so it's like what. I love the this era right now for email that you've captured is like sometimes clients are like, can you give me an example of a plain text email? It's like, okay, uh, what's your email address? I'll send you one. Uh, and so it's like, what, what would it look like for the, the CEO of an organization to like in bulk be like, hey, how are you doing? Yeah. And you like literally in like the, the literal manifestation of it is what you did. Um, and it, it's, it's just the authenticity that we say of what we want in marketing was just nailed. Yeah. Let's talk about what has not changed um, in the last few years. One of the things that I think I must have heard 10 years ago already is something called Pearl, a personalized URL. Oh, yeah. No, that's the way back machine. You just, yeah, you got me there. Yeah, yeah. It was funny when it was first presented to me. It was this like Wizard of Oz type technology of like being, oh, you know, it's going to really change things, Ben. Yeah. 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 I don't think that ever took off. Now, not for lack of tech, because nowadays we could do that. And, and I know there's, there's lots of tech that does that yep. and some organizations do that. But, but by and large, we're not sending donors to personalized URLs or personalized landing pages. That just hasn't happened. And, and that was, um, you know, 10 years ago, that would have been like, oh, five years from now, that's going to be like the standard and we're all going to be doing that. Yeah, especially, um, and the big thing for us for a while has been integrated. So print to digital and, and making sure yep. to capture that. There's so little need for perfect in our industry where like, if you say my name on the landing page, that doesn't like, Oh wow. Like change <laughs> my experience. You know, cause then like most of the time it's this, you know, the UTM that like, it's like you're grabbing data and you're just passing it through to the other location. Um, and it's making sure to ask me for a certain amount and then staying true to that is much bigger deal than just saying my name, like Ben, like out of nowhere, <laughs> like okay, yeah, you get me. Um, versus, yeah. like, would you like to give a hundred dollars and then forgetting that at the next step is more offensive than it is complimentary to keep saying my name. Yeah. Uh, and like, we all know that guy who's like too into sales and like, oh, it's it was so great to meet you, Mike. Mike, have a great day. 
And you're like, you're not, you're not helping things just by pointing out that you remember it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Every, everyone who's read how to influence friends and, and how to win that, friends and influence people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like um, say their name a few yeah. times. Yeah, you're like, and, did you just recently read that book? Because <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and part of where like when new tactics emerge, people want to put the tactic in versus like, yeah. what makes this a great why behind it? And, and I think the trouble with our, the fundraising industry is people generally just give like once a year. And so like, oh, can I nudge them to give a couple times a year? And like, what are the elements that draw a relationship in and closer? When technology was so new, it was like, I don't care. Let's just try the new technology. And yeah. instead of being like, well, there should be a reason why it gets added to a marketing mix. On that point, um, personalized URLs, meaningful segmentation, I think, has not changed. As in, I still don't think we are meaningfully segmenting people well enough in, in email campaigns. <sighs> oh, truly. And yeah, yeah. yeah. The burden isn't there. It's like, oh man, this will cost yeah. me another ten thousand to send to this part of the list. And like, it'll cost me another five dollars. Uh, yeah. So like, the the burden of choosing who not to to send an email to is, isn't there. It's not there, and we also don't have the meaningful data in the CRM in the first place. So it's not just like it's an email issue. It's also just the fact that we're just not at the point yet where we're talking to people about who they are. We're mm -hmm. mostly talking to people about what they've done. Um, we yeah, mostly yeah. go by gift history. We mostly go by campaigns they've given to things that they may or may not be interested in, um, because we still have don't have the infrastructure to actually, um, you know, you and I follow a bunch of people who are on the forefront of this. Um, but it's a lot of work to actually find out who your donors are. Yeah, the identity that's, of who they are. That's yeah, the yeah, identity yeah. thing. That's not a persona thing. Um, that's an identity thing. You could have the same persona for 500 donors and they each have a different identity. Yeah, they're, they're over 50. And <laughs> they live where your service is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's one of those things that hasn't changed. By and large, we're uh, and we, we're sending segments, but the the changes are so small in the segmented paragraphs. Right? It's like yeah, people yeah. who recently yeah. gave or You're, uh, yeah. Thank you for yeah. joining. Thank you for being a generous. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I don't know. Maybe we won't get there until there's. I know there's lots of integrations. One of the things that have changed is that CRMs are just that much more better integrated. But still, how many organizations, their email, like the whatever they use to send emails, MailChimp, whatever it is, actually aren't integrating that with their CRM. They're pulling a list out of the CRM, importing it into the email program. Um, that's still super common for a lot of organizations. Yeah, and you know what? It's, um, we could do, like, every 10 years do this, and... You know, where we could complain about this evil CRM that seems to be dominating the whole industry and go like, oh, you guys still are all paying the same, you know, uh, you know, opposite of white uh, corporation. And, and it's like, yeah, but they, and it's, so there's so many aspects. Of, and, and what's really uh, sad is, um, so we have a really, a few really big clients and them just sending us their data is difficult because of how much volume it is to send data. Um, and I, I think that's going to be, and then one of the risks is like, as a people will start to just delete data for the sake of saving money or because it's a large file. Um, and so like, we barely know anything about donors in terms of their identity. Um, like, you know, most CRMs, if you did an email survey, they're not putting in that information and then saying, ah, now we know conscientious donor versus the neurotic ones. Yeah. And, um, and even then, it would be 
you hope that you're not paying usurious prices because you just added more data to your CRM. Um, and you're like, oh, well, like maybe we don't want the knowledge because we'll be charged more because of the industry is based on kind of the gotcha effect of, of adding more accounts and whatnot. Um, so it's like, it's, it's a troublesome situation to be in because if we do want to learn more, it requires being better at data management, which isn't a core, uh, strength within the charitable world. Yeah. Cause it hasn't, hasn't necessarily been valued either. And, and yeah, cause there's the history. Oh, we know our donors. Like there's 45,000 of them last year. Like, what do you mean by that? They're all the same. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, did you just say you people? You know, like, and, and but on the other end, it's like, no, no, no. We like, we want to know more. And it's like, but there's so many different tribes of people who can give. Um, and on that segmentation end, is like, are you holding the ones who send the email to a higher burden? Like, how do we create that? That like, ah, I have to have more independently unique uh, segments. Um, and then like, like one of my favorites ones that you mentioned is like, if you're having a, like a long match or Christmas campaign to have that, that, that mini unsubscribe, you know, like, do you want to just meet us at the end and not go on this journey? It's, it's a, it's a, like whoever figured out that concept is, is pretty nice because it aligns yeah. with the, like, I don't know, I don't know in advance that you're not into it. Um, and so if you want to take a break, but still be part of the community, that's fantastic uh, compromise. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another thing that hasn't changed, I think, is the importance of the outer envelope in emails. Um, so the sender, the subject line, the preview text. Um, I, I know we talked a little bit about about emojis, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. but besides those little trends here and there, would you say that's still like the key indicator um, of whether the thing is going to get read or opened? Whether oh, we, and we that's like you and I not. could be talking about Mad Men, uh, not just Mad, uh, David Ogilvy's like. The headlines matter far more than a body copy. And this is 1960s. Uh, so I think that's like the, the separating these principles that are tend to be always true of like, do I open or not open? And then from there, it's like just marginal returns of like, did I, did I nail every nuance? Um, and it's like, he's like, we often believe for, at least for frontiers, like there's the two readers, one is skimming and the other one is going to read everything. And, and I joke is like the sociopath text is like, do they have everything that you've ever written on the wall? And they know all the, 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 Hey, you've used this phrase before. Um, and, uh, but like, so knowing that there's those two types and like most people by volume are just kind of going, uh, you want a gift for that thing. Yes. Yeah, okay. How much? Uh, and if you're asking for an appropriate amount, you're good. Um, and then maybe someone else is seeing all the art that we put into a, a great email. But this, um, I, I think the thing we have to realize is like, we're one of their emails in their day. Um, so just like, oh, hey, it's so-and-so from this organization. We wanted to talk to you about this. Oh, okay. And it's that, that was the big decision that was already asked. Like, I, I am a supporter. I do like to give. Not just to your organization. Um and so it isn't like, okay, now give me a great pitch. It's like you've already earned permission at that point. Yeah, and they might be opening it up on on the bus, in, in line at the grocery store, um, wherever. Um, it might not be a great time to give, right? And we all have the greatest of intentions when we open that email to be like, yeah, I'll go back later and finish that. I, I would say like to give and almost give are about the same to the donor, but very different for the charity. Yeah, the greatest, uh, we always talk to our clients about, you know, when they're worried about like, 
oh, what are, what are competing organizations doing? Like your real competition is a donor not giving at all. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, um, before yeah, yeah. you even worry about like others in your space or whatever, right? Like, um, man, like we should, we should just like, we can make giving just like a social thing that we all do. We should all be encouraging people to just give to charity, even if it's a competing organization. Um, because the greatest enemy is not other organizations. It is just apathy and people not giving at all. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah if, you, if, a, if a household's spending 50 to a hundred thousand a year and giving, most of them give nothing. And if a couple percent of them give 50 bucks to 500, like we're not talking about a huge industry. We're thank I'm thankful that it's a growing one. Like since 2009, there's billions more spent in Canada, at least, um, you know, ideally tracking better than inflation. Yeah. Um, okay. Last thing. Um, what has not changed? Um, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm going to be, I'm going to be biased here, but, um, I'd say, I'd say like message and, and copywriting, uh, Trump's format over everything else. I, I'd say that hasn't changed. How do you see that? Uh, and like, it's a message that kind of the, like great content, the content is king. Like it would be something we've heard forever. Yeah. It's interesting because, um, framing something well, I'd say could be done well visually though. That's, mm-hmm. that's the one thing is like, I, I, okay. So, cause you and I are using video right now and if we, if we, I, maybe the danger is if we overemphasize the value of, of content and writing. Like I remember one of my first emails was um, this Thanksgiving afterwards. I was able to say, here's a link to our Facebook photos from the event. And so we didn't need to share a story so much as like the, the photography of it. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that hasn't changed is we, as a, as a group, we tend to be poor users of video. So like maybe like the the content in in writing continue to win because it's just it 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 shows up and it delivers whereas we keep kind of not knowing what to do with video and and it's just like to me like a good photo you know like a match campaign where it's like two meals instead of one and you know just being able to it matches that value proposition with the what am I trying to say kind of thing and and it's just charity as a whole tends to have this um, troubled relationship with good design. Uh, so it's like, you know, it's actually kind of like it, it not showing up to the party just makes it a good party kind of thing because it's like, ah, oh, we don't know if it'll be useful design or not. Um, and like for us, like color usage really matters where like you only use this color as your giving button and, you know, keep the color palette for everything else is more for mute, more muted. Be very strategic with what that means. Cause, so for me, shapes and colors are a big part of, of how we process things. Um, and symmetry matters. So I, 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 not that I disagree. It's just like, it's, it's just, it, it, we, you know, the, the great design in this product and, and how it functions is, is like a great marriage of design and, and video and all these things. But the charitable industry just keeps not knowing how to, to make the, the most of it. Well, um, thanks for taking the time for coming on today. We, we ask every single person who comes on this podcast, um, do you have a word of encouragement, um, a piece of advice uh, that you can give to all, the, uh, to all the builders of good who are, who are doing this hard work of fundraising, you know, and, and just trying to build a better community and a better world for all of us? That's awesome. Uh, well, and like, and part of the encouragement is this conversation where we're talking about a literal decade, and then we're like, eh, you know, there's a couple of things have changed in ten years, and so like sometimes we're we're it's pressed upon us how quickly this industry is changing, 
And my, my joke has often been the opposite. It's like watching your dog run away in the prairies. And uh, so, for instance, we could be like, well, I've heard about AI or I've whole, heard about SMS. And it's like, I absolutely love texting on my phone. Uh, even like the nuances of Instagram, Messenger and, and messages is fascinating. But I, I don't buy a single thing when someone from an organization sends me a text yet. So like you could, the encouragement could be, we can follow behind this massive industry called commerce um, and say like, you know, oh, Mike, have you been text, you know, has, has a um, hush blankets texted you and have you bought something? And then we're like, oh, actually I do spend a fair amount of my money over text. And then what says over the next five to 10 years, my organization can embrace that versus like, oh, I got to get on it this Christmas. And um, my my former colleague and now colleague of mine, again, we were in the news 11 years ago for our use of QR codes, like CBC National. Um, and it turns out we were 11 years early on it. And you know what? And even just our data, people are, it's a slow uptake for people giving via QR codes. So who knows if QR codes would have made a comeback without COVID, right? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe I call them the comeback player of the year. Um, but uh, so however it happened, but it's it's sort of like, I don't know if it's like this trolley that you'll, you'll never miss the trend. Um, you can be a part of it. You can be a leader in it. I don't think any organization can make it go faster. Um, so you shouldn't be teaching donors you know, oh, like do this thing and we'll make it worthwhile for that company who's created it. Yeah. Well, this was great, Ben. If, if people want to follow you, find you, uh, where, where can they go? Uh, I, I'll, I'll be in your comment feed on LinkedIn. But uh, yeah, so um, I think it's Mr. Ben Johnson is my, you know, when you're able to like personalize the URL of, of LinkedIn. But uh, Benjamin Johnson is how I go on any public forum just because there's a more famous, used to be more famous Ben Johnson than me. Used to be you've 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 now surpassed him in in. Uh... I, well, there's there's an age line uh, is like if they're under thirty five. If I say you know Ben Johnson, it 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 doesn't the conversation doesn't go sideways anymore. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So Frontier.io is is my organization. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for coming on, Ben. Really appreciate this. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. Well, that's all for today. A bit more of an informal chat, but I hope it's given you something to think about. You know, email fundraising isn't going anywhere, and it really should be a staple of your fundraising. There's still so much opportunity with email to support your fundraising and revenue efforts. I want to thank you for listening to the Build Good Fundraising Podcast brought to you by buildgood.com. As always, thank you for hanging out with us around the fundraising campfire. If you're listening to this, you're my kind of people. I'm your kind of people. Thank you for the work you do. I'm your host, Mike Dirksen, cheering you on as you build good in the world. Thank you for listening to the Build Good Fundraising Podcast, powered by buildgood.com. As a company, we help nonprofits build a revenue engine from individual donors with direct response fundraising. And on this podcast, our mission is to help you grow your fundraising and grow your career. So if you find the podcast helpful, please consider rating and reviewing it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for being a builder of good.